0: Body. is that right yeah, yeah. yes mm-hmm. okay. right yeah okay so let's pray so father in heaven we want to thank you for everything that you do and for who you are we pray lord god that you would bless this bible study and that you would give us faith from hearing your word we pray that lord god you would bless us as hearers and bill as the speaker of the word lord we do hold up our country to you Father, we just pray that you pour out your Holy Spirit of Revival on every single person living, not only in the United States, but living in the world. Father in Heaven, please, we just ask that as we know you're, you're coming this, this soon, that you would just help us to be the kind of evangelists you want us to be so that we could be a part of that revival. And Father, we do hold up Jimmy We pray for this test that he's going to go through tomorrow, that it would reveal whatever is um, going on in his body. We would ask you, that, Lord God, you would heal him from the cancer. Father, that's not too hard for you. And uh, just, we just pray that you will be done. And Lord God, we just thank you for everything for a beautiful day and for the people that are gathered here. I will give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And Amen. If you got a cell phone, you might want
1: to.
2: Thanks, Steve. Thanks. Yeah. Well, good evening, everybody. Nice to see you again. Nice to be back, always. This evening, I want to talk about God's providence again, but in terms of what it looks like in separated families separated relationships due to conflict or many other things. How many of you say that we are in many ways, whether it's immediate family or relatives, there's some type of separation that was caused by misunderstanding or whatever? Okay, there's not very many people that are exempt. So it's how God's providence, now someone uh, define that for me in your own words. We've talked about it every week because that's the theme of the story of Joseph. Providence, what does it mean? The Lord is always good. The Lord is always good, yes. Always with you, always in control. His foreknowledge, he knows what's gonna happen in the future. And he orchestrates everything that comes our way for his divine purpose, be it good or difficult. Yeah. God provides. God provides. So if we just scan our life up to this point and think about what God has allowed to come into our life, both blessing as well as extreme trial and affliction for all of us at times, we look back and we can see God's handprint. Now some of the difficulties and mysteries we go through, we don't have yet clarity as to why God would allow that. But overall, as I've said before, if God is not control, um of everything then he's not in control at all do you believe that Yes. Okay. so what should be our response then when the Lord leads us through a variety of terrain there's mountains there's deep waters there's beautiful valleys there's beautiful fields with flowers there's all kinds of wonderful things what is our response to God's engineering providential work in our life? What is he looking for from us? Trust. Trust. Submission. submission. Trust and submission, probably very similar, yeah? And that's what he was looking for in Joseph because Joseph was going to be a prince. God was going to give him the heart of a prince, second to the man Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he wanted Joseph to learn to trust. And man, if there was anyone in scripture that was thrown into horrific, dangerous, unfair circumstances, it was Joseph. He was sold as a slave by his brother. He was first thrown into a pit to be left for dead, but the brothers ended up taking him out of the pit and selling him as a slave to Egypt. Then when he got to Egypt, sold as a slave to Potiphar. God was with Joseph wherever he went, no matter how dark it got, we read that, but the Lord was with Joseph. In the most extreme unjust circumstances, the Lord was with joseph and then we read that potiphar who was the master of the house um, he was the head of the palace of the guard uh, promoted joseph because he knew that the lord was with him his wife tried to accost him potiphar's wife tried to accost him he was well built and handsome the bible says joseph maybe around this time he's 20 maybe, he was sold as a slave when he was 17. And Joseph had nothing to do with her. She tried to rip his clothes from his body, and he ran away, which reminds me of the, the verse in Timothy where he says, flee youthful lust. In other words, run in the opposite direction. Well, he got away so fast, he still had a hold of his garment. And then, of course, goes to her husband and says, Joseph tried to rape me. So Joseph gets thrown in another pit. We call it the hole. The darkest part of the dungeon of Pharaoh's prison. Not because of what he did right or wrong, but because of what he did right. And so one thing happened after another, and eventually after he had been there a while, and by the way, he was also advanced in his position, even in the prison dark dungeon. Joseph was put, be put in leadership over the prisoners. A baker and a cup bearer in Pharaoh's court somehow violated Pharaoh and he threw him in prison. They had a dream and they were confused about it. And they went to the right person to interpret the dream. This is what Joseph does. Three different times in this story, he's interpreting dreams. It was a gift that God gave him. Okay? He tells the cupbearer that his dream means that in three days, Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's going to restore him to his position, and the poor baker is given a revelation that in three days his head's going to be lifted off his body. Imagine that. Well, Pharaoh, um, Joseph, first of all, thought that that cupbearer that's going to be set free is his ticket out of there. You know what that's like when you're going through a Severe circumstance or storm or you're stuck or feeling trapped in a long-suffering kind of situation. And someone appears or something happens or uh, a providential sign appears that you know that God's going to take you out of that mess. Finally, and you're thinking to yourself, this person's going to get me out of this. We read, but the cupbearer, what? Forgot Joseph. And then we read, and two more years, Pharaoh had a dream. So the Lord allows Joseph to be just taken down over and over and over again unjustly. And when he finally gets a glimpse of light that the Lord's going to take him out of there He's forgotten for another two years. Some would think that after this, Joseph would turn bitter. But he didn't. He just wasn't quite ready to be taken out. Something happened in those two years. We'll find out what it is tonight, I think. Something happened in those two years to Joseph's soul that tempered him just a little bit more. So God's timing is perfect. He's going to be reunited with the same savage brothers that betrayed him and threw him down a pit 20 years earlier. Pharaoh says, I'm anointing you to this position. There's going to be years of prosperity according to Pharaoh's dream, Joseph said. And years of famine. Now we're at the years of famine. And this is where we pick it up at chapter 42. The world, the known world, is looking famished like the television commercials that we see of the little children in Africa. Skin and bones the world is starving which includes Joseph's family so we pick up at verse 1 chapter 42 when Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt he said to his sons 10 sons Benjamin was the youngest Joseph's a slave or, or a prince now Why do you look at one another? Don't just stand there. We're dying of starvation. Which tells me that Jacob might have had a little bite in him. I'm not thinking that Jacob was overly impressed with those ten boys. They literally lived a lie before their father for twenty years he's still thinking his son was killed by an animal which was a story they told their father why Joseph didn't return and something's not right in his confidence with his sons of course a lot of parents would do this you know summer vacation comes our kids are laying in bed until our grandkids are still laying in bed at 10 o'clock in the morning or playing video games and we go you need to get out of here and do something. It could be something along those lines too. Don't just stand here we're starving. Go down and buy grain for us there that we may not live that we may live and not die just a little sidebar here so they've had to wait now and see this famine develop I think we're two years into it and it's getting really bad we know that God provides for our needs but the last time I heard he dropped food out of heaven was when they were in the wilderness during the days of Moses so ever since then for the people of God if we're going to eat we have to do something he wants us to partnership with his provision and just not wait for it to come down from heaven Thus the Father says, and the Father believed, that God provides. That's Jacob. But you got to go get it. So if someone tells me, you know, I'm really looking for a job, I'm out of work, and I just need a job in the worst way, I'll say, oh really, so have uh, you put any applications in? Well, not really. <laughs> Have you knocked on any doors at all? Ah, no. What are you doing? Well, I'm just trusting in the Lord. Well, you better get ready to go down to the gospel mission because you're not going to pay your rent if you're just trusting in the Lord. Get out, get a job, and then trust the Lord will provide through your job so you don't have to go to the gospel mission. Right? So he tells his sons, get out of here and get the food. I mean, just, can you see God's hand? Joseph is in charge of the food during the famine. They are about to come into the presence of the one that they sold as a slave to Egypt. Now, is that God's move or not? Took him 20 years to get there. We're going to see his providential plan for God's people that leads all the way up to us. Starting right here in a very powerful way. So you said that they will probably in about the second year. Yes. So that's God's timing perfect. Isn't it? That's God's timing perfect. Because he kept them out of that position. Yes. There's an area that in my life right now that God's having me wait in. And uh, you know here I'm getting ready to teach this and I'm going. How many times have we been put on hold or what we hoped would happen did not? And later on, we look back and we go, the Lord needed us to wait. And he came through just like that. It's better than it would have been had he blessed us then. Like I said last time, if he would have got Joseph out of prison, if that cupbearer would have remembered Joseph and he got out of prison, he wouldn't have been there for the famine. He wouldn't have been Pharaoh's right-hand man. And God's whole plan that he predicted 400 years earlier would be void and not. So there had to be perfect timing for the Lord to execute his providential plan. And putting Joseph on hold was a part of it. Or was he really on hold? He was blessed. He got favor. And now when he walked down through the halls of the Egyptian palace, everybody bowed. Not that that's a big deal, but it was part of God's blessing. Okay, let's read on. Verse 3. So then ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain in Egypt, but Jacob did not send Benjamin, the youngest son. Now why would Jacob hold Benjamin back? Well, he's been burned once before, yes? Benjamin is the youngest son. Joseph was the second to the youngest son. And their mother was Rachel, which was Jacob's favorite out of the four, which just sounds odd to say that, actually. Favorite out of the four. And he's learned. I've already lost my second to the youngest son. I'm not doing this again. You know, you can almost feel those emotions. I, I had a couple of dear friends of mine. They were at a church. I was a pastor at one time, and, and uh, one of their sons died of a drug overdose. And uh, the brother coming up under him um, also got in the drugs and uh, they just couldn't let him go from the home. Same reason. Why would they ever trust again for that You know, kind of thing? Very painful. So he did not let Benjamin go. Let's continue on. Joseph's brother with his brothers he did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with his brothers for he feared that harm may happen to him too. Thus the sons of Israel came to buy among the others who came for the famine was in the land of Canaan. So the famine that God knew before time would bring Joseph's brothers his fractured family back to him. If you're fractured in your family or with from dear friends you've known for years, God's not done working yet. Just keep praying that the Lord restores. When I say restores, it doesn't mean that necessarily you're back together and you know, you're living together again or anything like that. I'm talking about the peace of God in the relationship. The strife being gone. A wholesome relationship with those who were once torn apart. I, I, I stand strong on that. So we must not stop praying. And trust me. Verse 6. Now Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. It's like Moses, who's the author of this, keeps saying that. He wants it's in our face. He repeats himself. Because he wants us to see the unfolding of God's purposes before our very eyes. He wants the reader to have hope that this devastating, hopeless situation is now starting to come alive. It's starting to come alive. And Joseph's brothers... This is the part we're waiting for. For five weeks. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Now, where have we read that before? Turn quickly back to chapter 37. 37 verse 5. Now you've got to understand before I read this that his brothers already hated him. Why did they hate him already? Father's favorite, very jealous. Remember I told you back then, whether it's your grandchild or your children, no favorites. And if they're favorite in your heart, do not let siblings know that. They killed Joseph. Tried to kill Joseph in part because of his father's favoritism. If you want the siblings of those you love to hate the other siblings, just favor them. I think I told you this. Uh, We're in a step family. I might have told you this already. Yeah, I, I did. So my stepdaughter, like I said before, you know, I love her. But she didn't hold a candle to my daughter and my wife would say the same about her daughter and my daughter but God convicted me very early on as a stepfather it's natural to love children differently if they're not your blood it's natural but you better never let her feel that ever there was no visible favoritism none in a blended family. Amen? Okay. So here we go. Let's look at verse 5. This is what J- Joseph is going through now. They don't quite get it yet, his brothers, but he knew right away. Verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I've dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, are you indeed going to reign over us? You? Whippersnapper? You're, we're your older brothers and you're going to reign over us? We don't think so. Or are you going to rule over us? So they hated him even more. Joseph knows this. I guarantee you, when he sees his brothers, you're going to see this. He's thinking about this dream. And it almost seems on the service like Joseph's playing with their head.
0: Or Joseph
2: is resentfully responding, but that's not the case. Read on. The next dream. Verse 9. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have a dream of another dream. Behold, the sun, moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, even the father, even Jacob said, What are you talking about? What is this dream you've dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come down to bow ourselves to the ground before you and his brothers were jealous of him but his father kept the saying in mind Hmm. let's go back to chapter 42 and Joseph's brothers verse 6 came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the ground that's the other thing you know I think if true injustice has happened in past relationships and especially if we've kept our heart right before the Lord the Lord has the last word on that too he just does but that's his deal you know there's a a verse in Proverbs that says do not gloat when your enemy falls or God will be displeased And take his hand off of him. So it is a challenge for us not to lick our chops. For the people we die to say I told you so. Or you should have never messed with us. God says do not do that. That's not from the kingdom of heaven. Do not gloat when your enemy falls or the Lord will pull his hand back off that person and be displeased with you and I. Joseph, verse 7, saw his brothers and recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from? he said. They said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they, they did not recognize him. Now, why is that? they figure he is dead. They figure he's dead. We're talking 20 years. He sold as a slave. Not a lot of slaves live for 20 years. He was dressed completely in um, Egyptian kingly jewelry and robes. The last time they saw him, they stripped him from his robe of many colors. And threw him in a hole. Why else didn't they recognize him? His, face was yeah, was his, 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 his hair was bald. They shaved his head when he went to see Pharaoh to clean him up. His face was shaved. No doubt he and his brothers in the land of Canaan all had beards. Yes? He's also speaking. We didn't even get to that point. He's speaking Egyptian through an interpreter. And he knew all along every word they said. That kind of plays into this story as we'll see in a minute. Any other reason you had your hand up back? Different language. different language. But also, as a person that taught kids for years, twenty years later, the kids still recognize me. I don't recognize them at all. Because they change. Kids change. All I can ask you is this. Do you look the same as you did when you were in high school? <laughs> I look at those pictures and go, who is that? My wife showed one the other day I, what, uh, a picture of the day, go, who is that? She goes, figure it out. I go, I can't. You well, know, it's probably my cousin or it might have been my brother. I mean, it goes, I mean, do we look the same? So there's no way. Nor, this is the same thing I think about when Mary Magdalene uh, Mary Magdalene was at uh, the tomb and she didn't recognize Jesus. Didn't expect to see him he was dead and he looked a little i mean he had the same body and the scars and stuff but he looked a little different she just like we will. she thought it was a gardener yeah. of course she was crying her eyes out and you know really couldn't wasn't thinking in the very beginning I never thought about that yeah. it's called the gardener yes didn't want to you Yes. Yeah. yeah their eyes were Closed. Anyway, that's the other thing, the spiritual answer, I would say. And so uh, um, he spoke roughly to them. Why would you think that Joseph would speak unkindly and roughly to them? The first time I ever read that, I was confused because uh, we see not long from here that Joseph forgave them. And said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So, why would he speak roughly to his brothers? Anybody? Any ideas? He's in a position of authority. Okay. Okay, It's same. Same. Very good. She also wants to see if they're for real and have changed their character. And as we go through this text, you're going to see that he's accusing them of some of the very same things they accused him of. Well, and isn't he still? God's still works with him. This isn't a day and night. Right. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's months because they have to travel back and go yes. back and forth. Yeah. He, he doesn't trust him, but God's got to bring him to that point. Right when he really impressed them right, right. when you're hurt yeah. when somebody tries to kill you yeah. Yeah. what was Joseph's last memory the last time he saw his brothers they sold, them as a slave. sold them as a slave they sat down they threw him in a pit they sat down, ate lunch we're going to talk about that because they remember that moment we're going to get to that they threw him in a pit. He was sobbing and pleading for his life. We find out another text in the Bible. And they sat down and ate lunch. We talked about that. Who does that? No empathy, heartlessness, hate. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, and Joseph is going to intimate, I mean, if anyone's going to come to our land for food, it's going to be people from another country to also spy on our country. Interestingly enough. Where do you come from? Okay, now he, now he's really testing them. He knows where they're from. Where do you come from? He said they said from the land of Canaan to buy food and Joseph recognized his brothers but they didn't recognize him and Joseph remember here it is the moment they said that of course he recognized them i think right away but the moment they said that and Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them and he said to them you are spies now you remember in the very beginning of chapter 37 when we read that Joseph was his father's favorite, his father would ask him to keep an eye out for his brothers, and Joseph became the family informant. He was the snitch of the family. Chapter 37, first few verses. And his brothers hated him for that. They accused him of being a spy and a snitch. And what does Joseph do now? You're spies from another country. I don't think this is retaliation. I think it is the height of wisdom. We'll talk about this in our relationships. Um, yeah. Don't you think <coughs> do that ever since Joseph had, the Pharaoh had the dream and Joseph got
0: the position, he, in the back of his mind, probably wondered, what am I going to do knowing that his brother's
2: I possibly come to get food because the land is to do this. highly possible yeah. highly possible never thought of that highly possible especially when he was the one that would give out the food yeah. he was in charge was his charge now of course you're talking about hundreds of thousands of people that are coming and it just could also be that Joseph happened happened to be there that day well I'm just not thinking that Joseph gave out food to hundreds of thousands of people you know what I mean I mean I'm sure he maybe had people help him but he had to stamp who are the, the people who are going to get the food but you know I'm just saying it's one of those what if things you're spies you've come to see the nakedness of the land you've come to see our land and the, how it wasted us and you're going to take this information back to your countries. They said to him, No, my Lord. Well, he probably thought, Oh, that felt good. Never heard that before.
1: It's
2: kind of like when I was my two older kids' third grade teacher. I think I mentioned this before on a Sunday. I just loved, loved it. I had one in one year and one the next year. My two older kids, I was their third grade teacher. The only year of their life, they called me Mr. Gallagher, and I loved it. <laughs> So now I know how Joseph felt. No, my Lord, he said, would you please repeat that? Your servants have come to buy food. We are all the sons of one man. We are honest men. Um, Excuse me? Your servants have never been spies. Now, I got this out of a commentary. I want to see if you can pick this up. Why would they say we are all sons of one man? Why would they say that? Well, first of all, they're not representing a country; they're only representing a clan. A clan, okay. And if they're truly spies, why would an entire family risk all ten brothers? See what I mean? But they, for sure, are not honest men. We'll just—that's just for the record. He said to them, Joseph, no, it is the nakedness of the land that you have come to see. And they said, we, your servants, are 12 brothers. Listen to this phrase now. 12 brothers. That's right. The patriarchs, 12. The sons of one man in the land of Canaan and behold, the youngest is this day with our father. True story. And one is no more. What did Joseph think when they said that? You are the one that supposedly is no more. And they're looking right in his face. This brother that's no more, you're looking at him. God's prominence. Isn't this exciting? Who says the Old Testament is boring, man? One is no more. That's a good, uh, Steve, that's a good uh, title of a message. Yeah. One is no more.
0: Yeah, and you know, uh, as I uh, look at this, I hear they said, well, we are honest men. And Joseph, no, you're not. (laughs) He lied to your father, tried to kill me, he sold me. For what, 20, 20 years? Yeah. Uh, no, you're not honest
2: men. Yeah. But he could say when they said one is no more, they're being honest there, but they're wrong honest. Right. Yeah, that would be the Wrongly problem. honest. You know, I bet he they didn't ever look their dad. In the How could you? But I bet How could they you? did he was a stranger. He was And he had control over their destiny. Yeah. Complete control. They're starting to sense fear—the very thing Joseph sensed.
0: It is interesting, though, Bill, that and it applies to us too: is that even though the brothers were out of God's will in messing with Joseph before and putting them up for sale and all that stuff, God is still going to provide for them and feed the prophets.
2: because they were still God's people.
0: Yeah, he
2: led them to Joseph to get the food,
0: etc. So even when we get off track, he can still, lead us. Amen. Help us.
2: Amen. What's that? Added humility. added humility. None of us need that, though. <laughs> Go ahead, Terrell. 14. But Joseph said to them it is as I said to you. He's not budging. You are spies. By this you shall be tested. And that's exactly what he's doing by the way. He is testing his brothers to see where their heart is. He wants to find out honest information from his family. About his family. He wants to see if they've changed at all. In the 20 years. Joseph's being very honest. You're being tested. By the life of Pharaoh. By this you shall be tested. By the life of Pharaoh. You shall not go from this place. And your yes, your youngest brother comes here. He hasn't seen his little brother. I don't know what, how old his little brother was at that time. But he was probably maybe four or five. I don't know the age differences. I haven't looked that up. But he was the youngest son. Because when Joseph was sold as a slave or taken away, his mom had already passed by that time. And so his, his youngest brother was a little guy. Joseph was 17 and he had a little brother. Let's say he was five. Now he's 25. And he doesn't trust his brothers. He wants to know the state that his youngest brother's in. Because he's probably the other favorite in their mind. Because their mother was Rachel. Unless your younger brother comes here, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. It's brilliant. He's longing to get with his father and his brother. Send one of you and let him bring your brother while you remain confined that your words may be tested whether there is truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And he put them all together in custody for three days. Another life lesson, brothers. Of course, three days and 13 years are a little different, you think? But he threw them in custody for no legitimate reason. He was sold as a slave for no legitimate reason. Other than it was God's will ultimately. Verse 16. Oh, I already read that. Verse 18. On the third day, Joseph said to them, do this and you will live. For I fear God. Grace. This is called grace. He is now calling their Jehovah his Jehovah. He's an Egyptian And he's saying, I respect the God of your fathers. That's grace. They probably had a little sparkle in her eye then. If you are honest men, we know that he knows they're not, let one of your brothers remain confined where you are in custody and let the rest go and carry grain for the famine for your households and bring your youngest brother to me so your words will be verified and you shall not die. Didn't he say earlier that only one would go? Well, in those three days, he must have thought about it. Why would he send all but one instead of just one? The more the brothers, the more they... can. Ranking, King, they can carry back to the Father and the Son. that's interesting. Joseph was angry. I don't believe it was hatred at all. You can see what he's going through. He's going to teach them. He wants them to see what they've done to him. You know, when we have really sinned greatly, and have offended people deeply, sometimes we just... Can have a tendency, unless the Holy Spirit convicts us largely, we can have a tendency to blow that off until we realize the damage we've done. Called it's called mercy. Realize the damage we've done. I uh, I, I think I might have hinted at this uh, after our men's retreat, but I was telling the men there, they were talking about marriage, and uh, I said that we are to protect our wives. Lover-wise, as Christ love the church, uh, not possible, but I think you get the point. Christ provided and protected; still does. He gave us salvation. So that's the a role of man: is to provide and protect. And where uh, I go? Over. I was going somewhere with that, guys. Have, have you ever done this before, folks? Have you ever done it in front of a group of people? It's a senior moment. It'll come back to me. Oh, I know what I was saying. So I was saying to the men that, um, you know, we, we are to love our wives sacrificially. And... Uh, uh, I know where I was going now. So I said, it's very, very, if there's conflict in a marriage or there's distance in a marriage um, or, or a husband has caused uh, pain. Um, men sometimes don't get the impact of that until they realize how deeply they hurt their lives. And when they realize that they were actually the cause of their wife's pain, it hits us like this. If they're godly men. Godly men. And I told these guys, their eyes were like this. I said, well, it's, it's kind of like, let's say the man is at fault this time. <laughs> this rare moment. <laughs> and the husband lights the fuse. And the bomb goes off in the house. And the wife is screaming and panicking, and he gets angry at the wife because she's crazy. And he's the one that lit off the fuse. So, when a godly man realizes that he actually caused the pain, it should hit us right here. Men, you agree? Wives, do you agree? Should I pass out my counseling cards right now? <laughs> okay, let's go back to the text. Um, okay, back, back, back. 20. Well, let me go to 19. And if you are honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined while you are in custody. So he changed his mind. Now he's only keeping one behind. Why? Nine can carry, ten can carry more food. And let the rest go and carry grain. That's the whole point. Let the rest go carry grain for your households and bring your youngest brother to me. So your words will be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. This is the heart of this passage, verse 21 and 22. I mentioned this a while back. Then they said, now here's the the real interesting part. They don't know that Joseph understands their language. They're talking among themselves, and I'm sure the interpreter is not supposed to repeat that. Because they're not talking to Joseph. But Joseph's listening into to everything they say, they have no idea. Then they said to one another, this is the knife in the heart where they realize what they've done. In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them, one of the other older brothers, did I not tell you not to sin against this boy? but you did not listen. Yeah, it's just the classic family, I told you so. It finally hit them. The Lord is dealing with us. We wouldn't hear their cries. Isn't it interesting? They're sitting down and eating lunch, and they themselves hear him screaming. Because they said, we are, heard his cries in distress and we did nothing and God's judging us which is in part true Hmm. verse 23 they did not know that Joseph understood them for there was an interpreter between them then he turned away from them and wept I got to stop right there why would Joseph weep? He heard their conversation. They finally admitted what they'd done to their 17-year-old brother in heartless jealousy. And his dream is coming true. Oh my gosh, can you imagine how the Lord is just hitting them, confirming I've never really thought about it. How did Joseph feel? Blessed, shocked, humbled, relieved. I'm going to read it again. Then they said to one another, In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother and that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and did not. we did not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. And how many times... Did they actually think about it through the years? Oh, it had to be. What did you say? You know, Joseph may have put that out of his he would have gone crazy.
0: Sitting in a totally dark prison, just dwelling on that. He had to put that out of his mind and just focus
2: on God. Yep. Well, let me just give you a little tip. I'm just going to give you a little sneak preview. So turn a couple chapters ahead to chapter 45, and we'll see the state of Joseph's heart. This is at the same time, similar time, maybe weeks separate. And this is when he discloses himself to his brothers. We'll talk about that in chapter 45 in more detail. Verse 4, this is when he discloses who he is. So Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph whom you sold into Egypt. Can you imagine the fright of their soul? Sheer fright. But look what he says. We're getting getting a window into the heart of Joseph right now. And now do not be distressed. They caused his distress and kept eating lunch. He's telling them not to be distressed. Do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. This is the first sign that God's calling him to preserve the life of His family and the nations during the famine. God sent me here, let's read it again, look at verse six. "For the famine has been in the land these two years, he's two years in. and there are yet five years in which there'll be neither plowing nor harvest, and He says it again. And God sent me before you to preserve for you for a remnant on the earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. And he says it a third time. So it was not you who sent me here, but God did. Yeah, there was another intervention. God intervened there. Yeah, saved out of the flood. Yeah. Or it's like when they tried to kill every two-year-old infant boy when Jesus was born to kill the line. There were several attempts to kill off the line of Christ, this being w- one of the first couple. And God providentially intervenes. Well just think of how mature
0: Joseph says no, you didn't say
1: i
2: in Yeah. I mean that was a pretty gnarly trial. That he went oh, and, and notice he says this after he's stern. After he's accusatory. They have to learn a lesson. But he loves these guys. He hears them talking. Look at, look at Oh, let's go back to chapter 42, verse 21 again. Verse 23, they did not know that Joseph understood them, for there was an interpreter between them. Then he turned away from them and wept. That was his heart. Because weeks, maybe months later, he says, you didn't send me here. He find now listen. In chapter 41, verse 14 and 15. Remember when he pleaded with the cupbearer? He says, you've got to get me out of here. For I've done nothing to deserve being in this place. I've done no wrong to be here. True statement. But not yet soft and broken. That's a lot different. I've done nothing to deserve this. That's a lot different than you didn't send me here, but God did. In that two years, the Lord did something deep in Joseph.
0: Well, Job did the say thing. I didn't deserve
2: it. Yeah. And then he went through his tra- tar- trial and he went before the Lord and he said, Lord, I put my hand over my mouth and what can I say before you? So Joseph's changed, and that too, my point is. We are all in God's waiting room at different times and it's because he's driving deep into our soul the image of Jesus and we're supposed to emerge new. This is not the same Joseph who was left for two more years. He's different. He's crying now when he overhears his brother's admission. That's not a bitter man. Verse 23. They did not know Joseph understood him, for there was an interpreter. Then he turned away from them and wept, and he returned to them and spoke to them, and he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. So he wanted them to bring back one brother, and now he's holding Simeon alone. So nine are going back. I think Simeon might have been the second or third oldest. I'm not sure. And Joseph gave orders to, this is now, he's still not done with the lessons to teach them. And Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to replace every man's money in his sack and to give them provisions for the journey. This was done for them. Then they loaded their, okay, this, I'm thinking about another time he does this. Then they loaded their donkeys with their grain and departed and as one of them opened the sack to give his donkey fodder at the lodging place he oh that this is the time he saw his money in the mouth of the sack so Joseph put the grain in and put their money back that their father said they could take to buy the grain now they're really going to freak out cuz he's going to think we're thieves Is this a bitter man? No, he's, he's very, very cunning. I'm going to talk about cunning in a minute. Bitter men don't weep when someone finally admits how badly they hurt him. Bitter men don't give the money back. to family members who tried to steal their life and provide for their needs. Bitter men don't do that. Oh my gosh. 27, and as one of them opened a sack to give to the donkey fodder, ethologically, he saw that money in the mouth of his sack. He said to his brothers, my money has been put back here, here in the mouth of my sack. At this, their hearts failed them and they turned, trembling to one another, saying, what is it that God has done to this? I wonder if Joseph's heart failed him as he was in the back of that cart being wagoned away towards Egypt and saw his brothers in the distance and thought, I will never see my father again. I wonder if his heart melted. I wonder if he said, God, what are you doing to me? And how many of us have done that? God, what do you do? It? I've actually said to him, reverently. Doesn't sound reverent, but he knows my heart. I'd like to see how you're going to get me out of this one, Lord. And he does it every time. Every time. When they came to Jacob, their father, in the land of Canaan, They told him all that had happened to them, saying the man, the Lord of the land, spoke roughly to us and took us to be spies of the land. I just want to pause there. I do training also on biblical boundaries in the workplace and home. I talk about, as strong believers, learning how to, in truth, assert ourselves at the right time. Jesus came full of grace and truth. Most believers are gracious, but they're not that strong with truth. I didn't say they're not that strong with the truth. They're not that strong with being truthful and the reason is the more gracious one is generally the more they hate conflict yet we're going to have conflict the Christ-like man is full of grace and truth not just gracious all the time but truthful as well that's what Joseph's doing he's gracious, he weeps He gives them provision. He provides for them, but He's strong. I was taught this when I started learning at the age of 46. That was a while ago. I was a senior pastor then in Eureka, California. That healthy leadership, healthy believers. Forget leadership, healthy believers. Um, there are times when they're appropriately upset and angry. It says be angry and sin not. Just don't let it turn to sin. Don't let the sun go down your wrath. And in reading and in studying, that I needed to be stronger because a lot of people that are only gracious are fear based. They say I'm gracious because I'm like Jesus, and that's only partially true. Many of them are gracious because they don't want to have conflict. So they say yes when they mean no. They say I forgive you when they don't. And it's no problem when it is. That's not honest, folks. It's more of a dishonesty of what they don't say. It's more of a dishonesty to protect their heart from conflict. Oh, no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. That's not honest. It's not Christ like. It's a situation of, let's say, someone um, didn't keep their word or they broke a promise to you or they forgot to do something and you know, or maybe they spoke behind your back and, and they come to you and they mention something about it. And you go, oh, no, that's not, no, no problem, no problem. Baloney. You've been stewing over it ever since they said that or did that and now it's no problem? that's not honest so what I read and I go oh my gosh because I'm I'm very gracious and very friendly I was more grace less truthful for years that if we're hurt in our heart and we're offended our face has to be congruent with our feelings because you know what's really scary? is when someone knows we're hurt and we smile. That's Charles Manson-ish. That's flat out scary. So if you're deeply hurt and someone comes to you and says, I know if I've offended you deeply, you say thank you very much. Yes, you did. That's grace. That's Christ-like. I told you a story, I think, once a month, one of my friends, I finally had to talk to him. He had offended me many times. He said he wouldn't do it again. He did it again in front of four of our friends. And I went to his house the next morning. He, my wife had been friends with he and his wife for 35 years. I've only known him 20 years. He goes, I know why you're here. He says, I have a feeling that if I don't start treating you with respect, as you've told me before, I'm going to lose a long-term friendship and I said, yes, you are. And he said, is that ungodly to do that? No. He said to me, if I ever mistreat you again publicly in front of our friends, I want you to stop me right there and call me out in front of everybody. And remind me of what I promise you in front of all of our friends. That's how badly I want our friendship to work. My point here is that Joseph's being strong. Philippians 1.9 we won't turn to it but you can write it down. Philippians 1.9 Paul says to the Philippian church this is my prayer for you. That you abound in love more and more but do it with wisdom and insight love is not love unless it's strong Christ died on the cross that's strong love it's not fear based Christian love and so Joseph shows us some really good lessons here I'm going to wind down here pretty quick. Where did I leave off, folks? 28. Now, I look to you people to remind me, you know. <laughs> we talked about that last time. Yeah. I finished verse 30. 31? 28. 30 okay. no, 28. Do I hear 29? No. A man who is Lord of the land spoke roughly to us and took us at verse 5 to the country. that's where you stop no I don't want to start a problem here over which verse it is I know we're family but okay well let's let me cut it in half and start at verse 30 (laughs) the man the Lord of the land spoke roughly to us oh I think that is where I left off the man the Lord of the land spoke roughly to us and took us to be spies of the land but we said to him we are honest men we have never been spies we are 12 brothers sons of our father one is no more how dare you Say that again. In front of your father. Can you, how could they say that to their father? One is no more. How could they say that and not feel it? And the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. Then the man, the Lord of the land, said to us, By this I shall know that you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me And take grain for the famine of your house holds and go your way. Bring your youngest brother to me. Then I shall know that you are not spies but honest men and I will deliver your brother to you and you shall trade the land. And I tell you what, that was like a death blow to Jacob. Oh my gosh. He actually says something about it. I've lost one son. One is being held hostage and now I'm going to lose my youngest son. Boy, he was at his lowest point. Not for very long, no. And they emptied their sacks, and behold, every man's bundle of money was in a sack. And when they and their father saw their bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob, their father, said to him, You have bereaved me of my children? Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And now you would take Benjamin. All this, has come against me. And I just want to pause there too. I mean, we haven't talked much about him. Joseph's not the only one that was wronged. Have you ever felt everything, everything, that is dear to me right now is against me? I have. Everything. It's not the end of the story. Not the end of the story. Verse 37. That's a a good verse to think about for those of you that are in a dark place. The patriarchy. The father of the patriarchs. Everything is against me. I have nothing left. I have nothing left. Yet he gains all of it and more later. All twelve and all reconciled twelve. So remember that, those of you in God's waiting room. Maybe it's a physical sickness, maybe it's a a distant adult child, maybe it's a diagnosis of stage four cancer, maybe it's divorce, just because everything feels like it's against you now does not make it so. Not when the king of our life is Lord. Final verses. Then Reuben said to his father, kill my two sons. He is so emphatic, Reuben. Kill, he sees his father's grief. And he's willing to lay it all down. Kill my two sons if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my hands and I will bring him back to you. But he said, my son shall not go down with you for his brother's dead and he's the only one left. If harm should happen to him on the journey that you're to make, you would bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to show And so at this point, we're stopping here. He's saying, actually, I'm not sending him back. So just in conclusion, a couple of thoughts. Number one, three responses to adversity. Joseph's suffering for the last twenty years, or you no, know, he's nine years in, let's say the first twenty one years. Well, he no, he was gone thirteen years. So the first, what? Thirteen. He was thirteen years in prison. So anyhow, it's been twenty years Joseph's suffering, clearly, and yours, and yours, and mine, is from the hand of the Father, and He is with us. You go. No, that's not true. I didn't want the divorce. I didn't want my family split up. I didn't do anything to be fired. If God's truly in control, in the words of Joseph, he said to his brothers who clearly sent him to Egypt, you didn't send me here. God did I don't know why my wife of 21 years divorced me. But I know that God permitted it and allowed it. For His honor and glory. Yeah, but free will for us who has specular and yeah. you know what we Yeah. But how would you look back at your life? Oh and you see the direction. I, I'm I'm almost tempted to say I wish you would have done it sooner, but I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> I look back at my life
1: and I can see why I went through what I went through. Absolutely. I didn't become
2: a Christian thought into my first it all, I mean, God is like the ultimate mathematician. Number two, the brother's suffering was from the hand of a just God. Yeah. We do reap what we sow. I mean, we can't get away from That's a New Testament verse, too. So we all know that. We know that God disciplines those he loves And Jacob, his fickle hand of fate and stupidity of others have made his life miserable. You know, have you ever noticed that it can only just take one person in your life? One. One family member, just one, to create pain for so many people. Just one. And the last thought is, when we are at our worst, God is ready to do his finest work in our life. Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you for your word. We're, we're Many of us, when we look at the truth of it in our conversation and there's insights, we just, we're just almost stunned. on how far and colorful and deep your providential wisdom is in our life and for your people's lives from the beginning of time. Lord, we pray for anyone this evening who is particularly uh, hurt and confused just from our discussion tonight and in the, in, in the words on these pages of your providential journey through our family life, give them peace and hope to know that the end of the story is not there. And for any of us, I know that I have it in my own family, Lord, for any of us who, who have been separated from family members. There's been hard feelings Either both ways or one way, or Lord, would you give us just a sense that you're at work and not to lose hope. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Blessings, my friends. Nice seeing you. Always good being with you.
1: Was I, I was